the mic, one just wrecked the mic. Psych. Let's get ready to rumble. Let's, Let's get, get ready, ready to rumble. rumble. Get ready. <laughs> get ready. And rumble. <laughs> yes, it's me, Antor Deck, here uh, with the, the Royal Rumble Moment Show. It's ESR feature. You love it, we love it, I can't wait to do it. Uh, we're going to get right to it, but the usual plugs are in order. Don't forget, you can check out the feature show on this podcast feed, but we also have ESSR Central. I did the right amount of S's this time. That is a phenomenal feed for me. I'm so happy with myself. But we're running down the week that was in wrestling. Saturday Draft Live is another show. East Meets West, uh, where they... Um, you know, they mail me beforehand to get my opinion and then they talk about, you know, the happens in the world of Japanese professional wrestling. And of course, we have the YouTube channel. Go and check out everything that's on there. Quiz Showdown is a fantastic show. Conspiracy Theory and the Book It Tournament. We'll be getting to the semi-finals very, very soon. But let's meet the panel. I've been really nice in my introductions uh, recently, uh, but I'm going to do the funny ones again. Uh, so this should be this should be good. All right. So when this man wears a red hat, as much as he might hate it, he does look like he wants to make America great again. And mm-hmm. you know he shares so many things in common uh, with Trump supporters. Like him, uh, a lot of them are very bold as well. Um, and while they may be rednecks, he'll give you a redneck with his patter. Ladies and gentlemen, it is David Hockney. How are you? Ah. Uh. I feel disgusted that you're actually comparing me to the MAGA supporters now. Like, what happened to you, man? It's like, it's just the darkness just consumed you now. You're just insulting everybody now. Oh, I know, but that that was that was trash, so I dumped it. Anyway, moving on. Uh, of course, we now have a man who, if you look up the words lazy bastard in the dictionary, his face will be firmly plastered on there. We suggested doing this at 8 o'clock this morning. He's like, nope. Uh, I guarantee he's probably doing it from his bed still. Hopefully not in the scud. It is Mr. Scott McLeod. How are you? Oh, wouldn't, wouldn't you like to know if I am or not? <laughs> <laughs> To answer your question at the start of the show, you are clearly Ant for two important reasons. That forehead and your performance at Quiz Showdown 3 was nothing short of a car crash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh my god. <laughs> very fucking, very good. I couldn't come up with comebacks like that at 8 in the morning. that's very true thank god we postponed it uh, to a much better time in quarter to two in the afternoon when Scott has just awoken breakfast will come after this Um, and there's a guy you know I left the podcast briefly in the light we need to replace you let's bring in another D Campbell months later I was phoned back we need you to come back this guy is simply nothing compared to you however I have taken him under my wing all right, and I've held boss man to the man that he is today, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. The guy who looks like he wants to kill me right now, Mr. Daniel Campbell. I'm under your wing. Are you sure don't about stop, that? Don't stop producing my shows, please. There we go. <laughs> I thought so. And um, next up, we no, I have nothing bad to say about this guy. He is the most wonderful man in the world of podcasting. Please welcome Mr. Gary Kiernan. Oh, thank you, David. Love you too. I've been looking forward to this show. It's the Rumble. is just—it's my favourite pay-per-view of the year. I just love it. I love the surprises it throws, the turn, the returns, the little quirky stories you get along the way. I'm so looking forward to talking about some of the favourite moments from the Rumbles over the years. Oh, it will be absolutely fantastic! And and kicking us off with with a, a really big one here. Uh, we need to go back to the year 2001. Britney Spears uh, was topping the charts. Steps were still together, thank Christ. Uh, and this man's favourite wrestler was doing some business in the Rumble. Scott McLeod, it's over to you. 
Yes, when you talk about the Rumble, you got to talk about Kane. Come on. you got to talk about the 2001 Royal Rumble, where like, you have been the, a record that has now been broken by Roman Reigns and then Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman. Bastards. <laughs> yeah. you got to think about dominant Rumble performances. You need to think about 2001, when Kane was running wild in the Royal Rumble. He came out number six, I believe, and he put the fear of God into Drew Carey, who said, I don't want none of this. Actually, Kerry particularly 12 amazing because he scared Drew Carey so much, he eliminated himself. <laughs> and then you got some wrestling, you got Al Snow, Paris Hartner and that coming in, all bringing weapons in. So Kane just grabs weapons and just, right, right, you're it. And you're it. he goes on a rampage. And his best elimination of that entire run was when Steve Blackman tries to skin the cat. And Kane just tries to retract it and then like, no, you don't. Off you go. And out goes Steve Blackman, the uh, wrestling equivalent of plain toast. <laughs> and you can sum up Taz's entire WWE career as a wrestler in this one rumble as he runs into the ring Kane grabs him lifts him over the turnbuckle punches him and he goes out <laughs> if you did that combination nice. that quickly at a 2k game their music would still be playing <laughs> like Grandpa Simpson comes in hat off turns the retro hat back on out the door <laughs> so no doubt it's a fantastic moment, Scott, but just to pry a bit more there, what did this do? Like, where was Kane at this point in his career in 2001, and what did this do for him, you know, going forward post-Rumble? Was this a moment that turned things around or gave him a boost? Yeah, I think 2001 was a big year for Kane, because, like, the year before, he was, like, a face for a lot of it. He was doing the whole thing with Xbox, which ran longer than it should have, and then he was randomly turned heel for a, a nothing thing with Undertaker, and... Then he did a feud that definitely wasn't about coffee with uh, with Chris Jericho, and so he was kind of stop start at this point. He's only a couple of years into his run, so I think it was kind of a reminder of how dominant Kane can be. You know, he came out and he's, he's obviously sexiest look at that big tank top uh, that he wore, and uh, that was a big year for him. You no, know, Austin's true heel turn started the Rumble when he eliminated Kane when it came down to the final two. But the fact that he went all that way, and he was eliminated by the eventual winner. There's no shame in that, and. Kane won quite a lot of gold that year, so I think at the start of the year it's good to remind everybody how just how dominant Kane can be in the Royal Rumble. And I think further established Kane is a favourite going forward, and he does currently hold the. Uh, this is a big part of why he holds the overall record for eliminations, a number of which I can't quite remember off the top of my head right now. <laughs> Gary, what did you think of this moment? Because Scott brings it up, obviously it's iconic and it's mentioned nearly every year when the Rumble season comes around. Absolutely. It was probably the most dominant Rumble performance we'd seen since Diesel, I think, going back some years before it. So it'd been quite a while before we had something like this. And whilst there's a couple of moments in this Rumble which were pretty cool, so uh, you touched on the Drew Carey one, um, there's a great sketch just before it when Vince McMahon stands down, one of Tiger Alley's sings charges to give Drew Carey their place in the Rumble um, but there's a great bit the bit I love about this Rumble was the honky tonk man surprise appearance and he says to Kane hold on big fella these people want to hear me sing and see me dance <laughs> and Kane obviously destroys the guitar over his head um, so I thought that was a great moment when you look through the list of people that Kane had eliminated here there's one is not like the others in amongst that list so we got Scotty Too Hot, A Crash Holly, Raven, Al Snow, Perry Saturn, Steve Blackman, Grandmaster Sexy, The Honky Top Man and The Rock 
So once one of those stands out for me over the, <laughs> other, the rest of the jobbers. Yeah, uh, so Penny that Saturn. Yeah, that's, that's exactly who <laughs> yes. stands out. Mr. Saturn stands out. Saturn drinks. What a submission. <laughs> Don't know who that rock guy is. Uh, Dan, just coming back to what we were touching on there, um, and with this, Gary said this is one of the most dominant Rumble performances of all time, and is the Kane and the Rumble have become synonymous with each other. Um, do you think this year coming up, obviously 2021, we don't know how many surprises we'll get because of COVID, but would you like to see Kane come in, you know, in this Rumble 20 years on from this moment to mark the anniversary? I'd be of two minds of that because I'd either A, want Kane in there so that we could have a legacy performer in the Rumble match. At the same time, I don't want it to be like, oh, there's Kane. Oh, he's, he's an old guy now. Like, I, I yeah. don't want it to be one of those moments. Like, I, I can see a kind of nod from Scott there just thinking, like, yeah, actually, kind of, I, I get what you mean. Like, it'd, be, it'd be different if like, Kane all of a sudden, between Survivor Series and now, absolutely shreds up and just goes on a complete tear. But, you know, I'd, I'd be happy either way with whatever they do with Kane on the pay per view. Maybe not have him in the Rumble match, maybe have him show up in some capacity. We'll, we'll see what happens. At least we know he's still got his wrestling gear. Sure, that. Maybe else followed his shopping gear. He is a man who I've just found it funny when the whole mask debate was going on that he was the one to vote against it. Uh, a man who's wore a mask for the majority of his, his professional wrestling career. It just <laughs> boggles the mind. Uh, but Dave, I was going to come to you. We've talked about how dominant this performance was from Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously not the only time someone's dominated the Rumble. Have there been any other, you know, Rumble takeovers that you've enjoyed over the years from a single competitor? Well, there's uh, a few you could list off the top of my head. It was because uh, obviously I think the bar was set with Hulk Hogan when he eliminated 10 superstars uh, in one Rumble one year. So I think, you know, a, a megastar like Hogan is obviously one to set the bar. But at the same time, you can't overlook, you know, performances like Braun Strowman in the Greatest Royal Rumble, given that, you know, even though it was 50 superstars, 13 people eliminated is still pretty impressive. Yeah. But I think the biggest dominating performance is obviously Brock Lesnar in 2020, where he starts from number one, makes it to halfway, and eliminates just about everybody that comes out within the space of a few minutes. Uh, it, that is what I consider probably one of the most dominant Royal Rumble performances of all time, because even though Kane sort of came out early, you know, he still had to, he still had people coming out and filling up the rings, but that's not to take anything away from Kane setting records, you know, 11 people in one in one Rumble. Plus, he had that sort of hardcore element as well with all the weapons being brought out with Al Snow and Raven, which I think added a bit more, bit more sort of it factor to it. it made it a look, looked a bit more destructive, a little bit more dominant. So I think that's why, that's why Kane's performance stands out. And Dave, you've made my job a bit easier for me because we are <laughs> going to move on to Gary. Gary, tell us more about that Brock Lesnar performance in the 2020 Rumble and how did it end again? How did it, How did that come out? Close? Remind me of all these things. Yeah, it's almost like David Hockney's read the script for today and has preempted what a fellow panellist was going He's to talk micro-hosting about. micro-hosting again. Uh, I'm not micro-hosting, I'm doing my research. I'm planning ahead of time. No, yeah, yeah. Eating into somebody else's spot. <laughs> nice the segue. stats gimmicks for Saturday Draft Live, not you. <laughs> Who do you think you are, Cody? Like, I love the stats gimmick. <laughs> so the 2020 Rumble, Brock Lesnar entered at number one and went on, as, as Mr Hockney touched on, uh, a rather impressive elimination spree. 
And there was a moment in the match where it looked like the fans were starting to to wane or and turn on this this moment. Um, there were a couple of notable eliminations uh, that the fans were clearly disappointed with, uh, and particularly the man on the speed off of Cesaro was one of them. Shinsuke Nakamura, another one where. We were quite disappointed, but there were also some really good moments leading up to my moment. We had this lovely moment with, uh, I think it was a good moment with um, Rey Mysterio, Big E and Kofi Kingston teaming up in Brock and a fantastic finishing sequence there. I thought the Keith Lee moment was was fantastic when Keith Lee came out and they squared off against each other and Brock's reaction was, was phenomenal there. Uh, number 15 in this rumble was Ricochet. So up until this point, Brock had eliminated people in relatively quick uh, order. Ricochet managed to survive the 90 seconds until number 16 came out which was Scotland's own Drew McIntyre and a uh, huge pop Drew came out looking like a million dollars as well and anybody that watched the Stone Cold session with um, the Broken Skull session with Drew Drew talks about this moment in it and he gets in the ring and he starts trash talking with Brock and you can see them squaring up with each other and he, he, Drew is taller uh, uh, than Brock Brock takes off his gloves as if like we're going to throw down now, no kidding around here. But before they could actually do anything, before they come uh, interact with one another, Ricochet from behind kicks Brock in the balls. Brock doubled over, lifts his head up for a moment, a fantastic Claymore kick. And Brock, Brock sells his ass off at this point. I thought it was fantastic. Right over the top rope. The crowd go mental. Heyman is in shock. Brock, is, as the engine continued to sell this overall, we got a, an amazing moment. And actually, uh, I've said in this show before that based on that moment, I didn't think that Drew needed to go on and win the Rumble. Drew, Drew's Mania match was set from that point on, as far as I was concerned. So him winning it went on to be an icing, uh, icing on the cake for me. But that, I thought that was a fantastic moment. The WWE had, you know, they were building towards it and folk were kind of getting a bit restless, but stuck with it a wee bit longer. And they got the fantastic payoff. Brock... Uh, eliminated by Drew McIntyre in the 2020 Royal Rumble. I love that. And Dave, you're clearly chomping at the bit uh, <laughs> to talk about this moment. How significant was this? Because we've seen the aftermath now. A year later, Drew McIntyre into his second reign as mm. WWE Champion. This was the moment where the perception of Drew McIntyre turned from could be to this is your future star. Mm. Like, I think I can speak on behalf of all of us here where I think we all jumped at our seats when that moment happened. It was so significant in a way that not only was it a big development for Drew's character, because largely before the Rumble, he was sort of portrayed as maybe a heel and at best a tweener. I think this was the moment he was solidified as he's going to be a face character going forward. And that's a huge thing for him. Uh, and for him to sort of go on to win the whole thing as well, like, because he was around sort of halfway through the Rumble, he, he lasted the longest, he eliminated the most people. And that tense moment at the end with Roman Reigns, you know, thinking it's either going to be those two that are going to win. Of, I mean, the, the anticipation, the excitement and the energy uh, that came out after Drew's win, it, it you, you can't describe it. It was probably the high point of 2020 for a lot of people. And I think this is probably the best example that WWE's done in a long time of saying, 
this guy is going to be our new top guy and we're going to push him to the moon and that's exactly what they've done this year yeah there was there was another element in the moment that gary talked about that i do want to go to scott for because drew eliminates brock but he doesn't do it without help scott should that have been a bigger moment than it was for ricochet do you think WWE dropped the ball with maybe trying to give him some of that rub alongside Drew? I think so, yeah, because uh, on the Raw before this, I believe there was a thing with Ricochet and Brock where Brock just hoofed uh, Ricochet in the balls and then just walked away. So this is kind of the revenge from Ricochet and then Ricochet actually earned a title shot at Super Showdown and then just got squashed. I mean, nobody expected Ricochet to win, but you would have thought he would have gotten like a Ray, what, Ray or AJ or people like that had gotten before him a bit of an offence get brought to sell a little bit for the smaller guy before inevitably winning so yeah they really dropped the ball in that regard um, I think what we're, we're seeing a common theme between my one and Gary's pick here and they mentioned if like Diesel's one earlier on that it's always a great moment where the ring fills up a bit and I get somebody just starts throwing people out whereas at first it was just brought this guy out you're out and then the ring filled up a wee bit you had three on one and then brought just leaping over I think Big E's back to a clothesline that yeah. nearly took Kofi Kingston's head off and then they threw the, he threw them out you know, and I think so about a year on, the rumour is now that it's going to be Keith Lee, Brock Lesnar and Drew in a triple threat at WrestleMania. And how fitting a year later, these were the two men out of everybody, Lee and uh, Drew, that Brock really sold when they were coming mm-hmm. out and they got the most offence in on Brock when they came into the ring. So I think, I don't know if this is a whole plan here, but it would be quite fitting a year later, the two men who got the most offence in on Brock and the one who ultimately eliminated them were in the main event at WrestleMania because... Lee, when he came in especially, was like the hottest he'd ever been because he was coming off Survivor Series. He'd won the mm-hmm. North American title that same week on NXT. So like he, the Keith Lee train was running, running high at that point. For sure. And Daniel, I think I think Brock should have a, a wee word with Uncle Bill over the phone because when you have an established star like that, this is what they should be used for. You know, giving that rub to the younger talent. And... <clears throat> For all that's been said, we've had critics of Brock on this podcast. I've not always been the biggest fan of what he's done. Like we've seen Alan Lucas certainly hasn't in the past. But you can't deny when Brock's been asked to lie down, when Brock's been asked to put someone else over, he does it magnificently. He certainly does, because there was like I'll admit at first when I was watching the Rumble, I was just like, why are they even doing this? What's the point? Like he's came back in, he's basically chucked everyone out. I wasn't sold on it. Then I rewatched it, and then I realised, oh, now now everything's clicked in. Lesnar goes on this tear because he's like, I've got no challengers, and then up steps Drew McIntyre, and that's the story going out of it. Lesnar walked in thinking, this is going to be a piece of piss. I'll just chuck everyone out. That'll be easy, and then instead, no, that's not how this is going to go. McIntyre comes in with the assist from Ricochet, Claymore's him out of the ring, and Lesnar is instantly like not for six. He's like, okay, that was not what I was thinking was going to happen. And even just the fact that Lesnar sat there for a while, looking up at McIntyre, who barely took his eyes off him, like he eliminates Ricochet, he eliminates Miz, eyes back again on Lesnar. Like, yeah, perfect. It's perfect. And Gary, any closing? thoughts before we move on from this moment a really great one you brought up here yeah it certainly was the making of Drew it established himself as a as a top top player main event talent here I just think you know there's 
there's moments and I'm sure we've all been guilty of this at times that we jump to conclusion we we don't allow ourselves just to be fans and, uh, and uh, take the moment or allow the WWE in this instance to take us with them we sort of prejudge it as we're going along rather than they, well they just see what the destination is going to be here and I think that was happening I certainly was guilty of it there were moments in here where there was some of the talent that were eliminate, was eliminated Um uh, John Morrison springs to mind for me because he'd only just come back and he was, you know, done done with very, very quickly. So there's some people that we maybe like to have seen get a wee bit more of a uh, showing in the match, but that wasn't the story. The story, you know, this was chapters in the story building up to to Drew uh, coming out victorious here. So sometimes uh, maybe a plea, you know, give it a chance, let it breathe. Let's not prejudge everything straight away. Let's give it a chance to get to the destination. I see a lot of parallels, obviously, as a movie guy between um, the WWE fans and fans of the major franchises like Star Wars and Marvel. They'll, they'll see elements of a story and they'll think, oh, no, not that. That's not my Spider-Man. You know, that's not my Luke Skywalker. We've <laughs> seen where it plays out. You know, and I think that's what happened at the Royal Rumble. It's interesting, but it wasn't the only thing to happen at the 2020 Royal Rumble. Dave, I mm. think you know it. Yeah. you do. You think you know me? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, so um, Edge's return. Like, if anything took away, if anything was going to take away the, the moment of Drew McIntyre's victory, it was going to be this as the most talked about moment coming back. Uh, so, yeah, Edge's return after nine years on the shelf and 10 years since his last Royal Rumble match, which he won as well. So, I mean, how fitting is it that, you know, Edge has been pretty much said, you can't wrestle anymore because of your your neck injuries. Uh, And that was heartbreaking as well. To know it just came so out of the blue after his WrestleMania 27 title match. Uh, It was a sad moment for a lot of people. But then again, it wasn't like he was gone forever. You know, he still made sporadic appearances with the cutting edge and he did uh, some, some promos he did in there. He did the peep show with Christian a couple of times, even had their own network show on the WWE Network. Mm-hmm. But I think it was just a bit of a missed, missed chance to see see Edge having to retire, like forced to retire, not on his own terms. And that's one of his, he's come out and said that's one of his big regrets is that he wasn't able to retire on his own terms. But I was watching his documentary and it said it was after he fell off his bike that he didn't feel like any jolt or pain in his neck when he fell off. And he thought, wait a minute, Maybe I could come back. So then he got the triple fusion neck surgery. He was cleared and he kept such a low profile on social media as well. Like, cause there were rumors speculating that, okay, maybe, maybe not, maybe. And he posted a picture of his wrestling boots as well. And it was just like, okay, maybe he's teasing us a bit here. We did, a lot of people didn't take it seriously either. But then as soon as that music hit at the most random point in the match, number 21, so you're not talking like, you know, number 30, you know, you expect a big, massive crescendo or maybe number 29 where he made a surprise return after his Achilles tendon injury. But such a random spot in the, in the rumble, I think, is what added to the surprise factor. And then the, the camera cut almost to him and he was just on the stage. So you don't take a minute to process it. It just all hits you at once. And I think the reaction in the in the arena pretty much summed up. It's, yeah. It was such a massive, massive response for somebody who was pretty much ruled out 10 years ago. I completely agree with that. And I don't think there was a dry eye in the house um, that night, certainly. For me, when I watched it, I felt goosebumps. I felt emotional. I started watching 2006. Um, 
Ed was the bastard that I love to hate. You know, that's <laughs> that's as simple as it was. He was my villain. Um, so seeing him come back in that moment and the expression of his face, it was, it was marvellous. Mm-hmm. But Dan, Dave talks about the randomness of 21. But when we consider it with Gary's moment there, Drew comes out at 16, five entrants, gives the crowd that time to die down. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to once again go back to the construction of the 2020 Royal Rumble was sublime. Absolutely. Yeah, because you look at how they just structured the whole thing together. Like it was realistically when they do a Royal Rumble match, there is a little bit of like like a methodic way to structure it out. But when it came to this one, I think it's probably the best one they've done like all together. So I'm just I'm just pulling up the list just now so I can have a look myself. But McIntyre came out at number sixteen, yeah, and kicks Brock out of there. Everyone's gobsmacked, like, huh, what's happened? <laughs> but then you look at the people who came in afterwards, and it wasn't like it was a big pool of people. McIntyre was there, you had AJ Styles, you had Dolph Ziggler, and you had Carl Anderson. Yeah. So it wasn't like there was, you know, a whole heap of names in there. It was a nice small pool. And the part, the bad part as well is that it was good workers. Mm-hmm. Plus, the one thing I liked about this... Now, I hated it because the camera didn't catch it. Very much like when AJ Styles debuted a few years prior. Yeah. I still hate that. Um, but they've re-edited it since then, so this is now on the network. The first person Edge Spears is Dolph Ziggler. The perfect symmetry. Dolph Ziggler was his last opponent at WrestleMania. The last spear he gave in his active career first spear he comes back with Dolph Ziggler it's it's something that not many people picked up on I just loved being able to see that and like we all said oh, what's mine Daniel it was, it was Alberto who was his last opponent but mm. he did feud with Ziggler oh, okay, before he left yeah. yeah there was he did have the feud with Ziggler yeah, yeah, over yeah that was because that was the one they did um, if yeah, you use the spear you'll be disqualified yeah this is the spear anyway um, <laughs> But you're so, right, though. There was there was definitely history there, so it was mm-hmm. fitting. Um, but it wasn't the only man that Edge had history with who came into the Rumble, Scott. And this is what we're talking about. When the, the Rumble's such a good mechanism for these long-term stories. Rated RKO, Scott. Reforming oh, on the night. Oh, uh, you thought about like Edge being the guy you love to hear in 2006. I'm the same. In the mid-2000s, I've mentioned it once or twice before, the two people I hated most uh, I was disappointed every time they came out Triple H and Edge back in the then they were still real to me back then <laughs> and it's that moment because like, I didn't believe it for a second that he was going to come back I thought it was all throwing or, or his music there's still a part of me in the back of my brain thought this is some heel like it's going to be like Corbin or something like some trying to troll us and then he was there and then like it's still like when you look at back at the reactions thing like this was 2020 so less than a year ago and there were actually fans there remember that I don't mm-hmm. And, yeah, and like we were always kind of sad at the start of the show that there was no pyro for a big four pay per view, and then they saved it all. They saved it all for Edge when he came out. Because like I was talking to a friend of mine afterwards, and he said for ages like the reason Derry stopped using pyro, the real reason is because they blew the budget when Edge and Batista were around. <laughs> <laughs> they saved up all their all their money and blew the pyro budget. It just it was everywhere, and yeah, that led to the moment between Edge and Orton, and then the moment the night after, like. I don't think anybody could have seen how good this feud with Orton was going to be because some people were thinking they wanted Edge versus AJ because uh, you know, AJ got injured in that spear and yeah. then AJ went on to feud with Undertaker but 
it was just like I said, a moment you never thought would happen. Like he already had one spectacular Rumble return when he won it, and then I think a lot of people now think this moment could always have it because we never thought he was coming back. Yeah, and I think that's the key, isn't it, Gary? We didn't think we would ever see this, and in modern wrestling, too often. You know, surprises are spoiled. It's the it's the age we live in. It's the digital age we live in. But this shows that when we get a surprise, it's done right. It's the most magical thing in all of wrestling. Yeah, there were some rumours around about this time that Edge was going to appear, but I think most folk took them with a pinch of salt. And um, there were stronger rumours about Christian uh, appearing. Um, I mean, the Edge return was was fantastic. The guys, I think you're absolutely right what you said about 21, because in our mind, number 30 has been built up to be this big thing. Um, uh, there were also some great fan videos that came out in the back of us. Remember the drunk Scotsman running up and yeah. down? <laughs> yeah. We focused, which helped make this moment. But I think I think it was Daniel that said this. I, 2020 for me is the best Royal Rumble that mm-hmm. we've done. The storytelling throughout, and there's great moments throughout it. So we got Edge. We got you know I, I love the legends returning for the Rumble, um, yeah. and generally speaking, they are used in the right format. So MVP's return was great. Yeah. But the Drew Brock moment I touched about. We had the NXT call-ups, which we touched on uh, Keith Lee appearing, but Matt Riddle getting a nice little appearance there as well. Rated RKO happens in this one, but also the story arc going into it with Seth Rollins and his group going up against um, Kevin Owens, Alistair Black, um, I forget the Samojo, thank you. And then you had that moment of them all coming together and the AOP being taken out by Black and Joe and it left Rollins alone and he tried to, you know, reform the shield with Roman (laughs) and he gets his ass whipped and gets eliminated. I just thought there were so many little stories throughout this particular rumble, which was great. Shelton Benjamin and Brock Lesnar. That was was another one. Great. I think MVP this music playing yeah. and Brock dancing to it as he's coming <laughs> <laughs> the best bit is Brock like Keith Lee's making his way to the ring and Brock just mouthing who's this motherfucker big boy I do have to give a shout out at this point uh, the stars of this rumble Shane McMahon Abyss Jamie Novo and Lance Storm uh, they were the producers of this Royal Rumble match. Mm. They've done a mm. tremendous job. Fantastic yeah. job. Fantastic job. talents, each each in their own right. Best wrestler in the world, Shane McMahon. You know? <laughs> no, 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 say it properly. We don't oh, have time for that. Let's <laughs> <laughs> move on. Let's move on. <laughs> we move on. Uh, and from something highly emotional uh, and profound uh, to a man bringing a ladder into a Royal Rumble match. Daniel, it's over to you. <laughs> Yep, it's Tuesday, you know what that means. We're going to be talking Rumble stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 2016 was a very interesting point. WWE had just come off of actually having an audience cheer the living daylights out of Roman Reigns winning the WWE Heavyweight Championship. Unbelievable to think that happened. It did happen. In the same building, he got booed out of for winning the Rumble the year prior. (laughs) Perfect symmetry there again. So... Roman Reigns is coming into it and the McMahon family and the authority do not want him as champion so Vince McMahon declares you will enter the Royal Rumble at number one. It is one against all. It's possibly also him who put Scott in at number one on the gauntlet so let's find out what happened there. (laughs) Moving forward, uh, 
so Roman comes in number one he gets a few interesting folk to face particularly AJ Styles who debuts entering at number three again like we were saying with the unusual numbers it's not a big number AJ comes out at number three I just hate the fact they didn't show it but then we carry on further into the rumble and then number 12 hits and now before that I will preface it with apparently this was not meant to happen this was just thought of literally within the hour hey let's do this so number 12's music hits and that's our boy our trizzle he charges down to the ring he doesn't go into the ring he goes under the ring he takes out a ladder he puts it into the ring everyone is sat at the corners of the ring just looking like what the hell is going on here <laughs> and he climbs up big look of glee in his face he's overcame his fear of heights he reaches up for the briefcase <laughs> there's no briefcase here what the hell and then he gets jagged off a ladder by Kane and chucked out so it, it, it's just something so daft from R-Truth because R-Truth has one of these brilliant like he's one of the best comedic wrestlers that we have now because he's gone from being like we discussed it on the R- we discussed it on the R-Truth show he went from being you know he made history two time NWA world heavyweight champion has a great run in TNA comes back to WWE and then in the, free, the last year or so finds his footing just with some comedic moments I mean the year yes. before he's like I'm gonna win money in the bank you're not even in the match I love how Kane's involved in both those moments yeah he's the perfect mm. guy to play off of I know like Kane Kane and R-Truth are like one of the best parents that you get and R-Truth's just like look you sure yeah I'm positive <laughs> <laughs> and the whole while Dolph and Roman are just losing their shit in the ring just laughing yeah it's, it's hilarious it, it is really funny and Gary that's the thing we talk about these big moments the grand spectacle of WWE but you need that levity there don't you Absolutely, and some of my favourite moments in the Rumble over the years are uh, are these funny moments. Like I love Too Cool dancing in Madison Square Garden during the Rumble. I love the Boogeyman and Bray Wyatt, the Eater of Worlds versus the Eater of Worlds. I love, he he slayed her two years ago. Do you remember when he was coming in and he, everybody he got knocked, he got beat up on his way to the ring, and he just kicks him, followed, <laughs> knocked him down, and then he gets in. Famous throws him in and he eliminates Sheamus straight away and he goes out not long afterwards and when he gets eliminated Michael Cole who I don't rate very highly but one of his best calls I think was Slater what an effort from Slater in this rumble he lasted <laughs> however many minutes but obviously he was only in the ring for about 30 seconds <laughs> let, let us not forget he eliminated Sheamus on Sheamus's birthday in two <laughs> seconds yep well, let's talk about let's just go with that Scott do you have any other funny Royal Rumble moments that haven't been mentioned that you've enjoyed ah oh, I'm trying to think I mean, I'm still thinking about the Kane, the symmetry between Kane and Arthur like Kane being involved in that moment and just like, the idea of him coming down Drew comes down the ladder and Kane like not this again and on you, you go <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we didn't mention on the Arthur show like when Kane won the 24-7 title from Arthur and then walked off the hill and I still got it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, it's something. Well, I, I mean, an honourable mention has to go for to Kai and Kai, surely. In the, yes. in amongst these I, moments, I did. Like, I was thinking of picking them because mm-hmm. they're not even the official entrance into the Rumble match. They just keep running in to try and disrupt it, and then poor Takamichinoku. <laughs> oh, oh what a bum! He, he gets shut out of the ring, and 
completely messes being able to land his feet on the floor and just flat. Yep. <laughs> you know, like the hurricane in 2002 coming out and trying to double choke slam, stone cold and triple eight, and the neighbors looking like this guy. These two hate each other now. They both came in together for their combined hatred. This guy, like, get out of here. <laughs> what, about, what about in the the 2020 Women's Rumble where? The, you had the surprise return of Santina and to Billy and Chuck's music <laughs> yep to Billy and Chuck's music uh, she stares down Beth Phoenix and I think it was Natalia it's it was Natty, yeah. and then he just looks at two of them Cobra's himself over the top rope and just lands on the floor you're just like <laughs> oh, I'm sure. glad you mentioned Santino uh, Santina because there was a moment with Santino and Mick Foley where we had Soko versus the yes. Cobra amazing <laughs> Was it? Don't forget about Zelina and Hornswoggle. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. Or chasing Zelina out the Rumble match. About Otis saving Mandy from elimination as well. Just that was on the floor. That was an incredible moment. I love that. Oh yeah. There was. Oh yeah. The other one I just thought of there. Remember 2012? Cole, JBL, and Booker T all took turns. <laughs> the commentary team just yeah. going up, and, and Cole then gets eliminated by the welfare queen herself. Karma, go season three of you coming yeah. on this channel for the next ten, the next year. Very exciting. Oh wow. Yeah, we had it in the 1997 Rumble where Jerry the King Lawler tries to sneak up and break the Hitman heart, and he says in the commentary to Vince McMahon, "It takes a king." And he takes his headset off, <laughs> climbs up the top rope, goes to jump down, Brett catches him, punches him over the top rope. He sits back down, puts his headphone on, to know a king! <laughs> <laughs> and Vince is saying to him, oh king, look, look your, your jacket's all twisted, you're a, you're a real mess. <laughs> oh wait, I think we're forgetting the one of the greatest ones of all time, specifically named on the greatest Royal Rumble. Titus oh. Worldwide, Titus Worldwide. Slide. Slide. Yeah. Yes, oh my god. I, I remember Elias was talking about in one of the FBE re- React videos. That yeah. they do. It's like a YouTube channel. And I remember he was sitting in the corner, he just clocked, a, um, he clocked the screen. He was just like, what the heck just happened there? I can't remember if he was pissing himself laughing or not, but Apollo Crews also said that everybody in the back was just creasing when that happened. It was just brilliant. <laughs> it is. I, I, I'm afraid, boys. I do need to pull a swerve on you here. Yeah, I need to pull a swerve on you. You know, I too was going to talk about a humorous moment where where Vicky Guerrero comes back. You know, in the the Royal ah, yeah. Rumble, a great moment, very funny. And I know that I, I talk about this wrestler enough, and I shouldn't big up her achievements more than I already have. People have already heard it before, but I just couldn't help myself. As Trish Stratus returning in the very first Women's Royal Rumble match, mm. number 30, you think of the face of women's wrestling, you think of that Mount Rushmore, and before you've decided on the other three, you're already carving Trish's face into that thing. All right. Women's Royal Rumble, we love that word in the podcast, historic. And it truly was, and it was an earned moment, one that should have probably happened a long time before it did. And you see it, number 30, you're thinking, who could it be? Who is fitting enough to go into that spot? And who else could it be apart from Trish Stratus? And the pop she gets when she comes out there is a pop that's not only one of happy to see you back is a pop of appreciation you know and it's recognition that Trish Stratus in that moment isn't just Trish Stratus she's representative of all the talented women who didn't get that opportunity back in their day you know and she's truly the figurehead 
for that moment. She goes in, beautiful interactions in there. You know, we see Trish Stratus mixing up with the likes of the Bella Twins. When do you think you see that happen? She looks up, there's an old rival, Mickey James, mm-hmm. one of the best rivalries in women's wrestling. The pop you get with that, you get moments in time, you get Raw Austin. You know, you get you get Tamina Naya, you get Trish Mickey. You know, a great great standoff there, and she eventually gets eliminated by Sasha Banks. An exchange there that still gets talked about to this very day. That women's the first women's rumble. People say relied too heavily on former stars, but I think it's necessary in that moment, and there was no one more fitting to be in that spot than Trish Stratus. Uh, Dave, I'll come to you. What do you think about Trish returning to number 30 in the first Women's Royal Rumble? I mean, you couldn't really have picked anyone else, except if you're going for a really big outside pick. Uh, because there was a lot of rumours about Ronda Rousey obviously showing up too. I think there was some people that thought maybe she could have taken it too. But looking at the Women's Royal Rumble as a whole, you know, this was the first time it's ever happened. And everybody always anticipates who's going to be the massive number 30 entrant. You couldn't get a bigger female star at the time than probably Trish Stratus. But not to take anything away from any of the other competitors because, you know, she had that face-off with Sasha Banks, you know, she's looking at possible future feuds. You had, as as you mentioned, you know, the rival with Mickey James, there was a nice wee uh, throwback to that. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's sort of encapsulated uh, by all the returns of all the women from the past. You know, you had Kelly Kelly show up, you had Molly Holly show up, Michelle McCool was there, Tori Wilson, uh, Beth Phoenix as well, who had that stare off with Nia Jax. I thought that was quite a cool moment. Beth needs to get over herself and just come back because <laughs> that woman can still go. I, as, if you know? the 2020 rubble's anything to go by, I think you're absolutely right there. Yes, uh, Trish coming out. You know, obviously Lita came out at the, the very start of the match as well. Not like one and two, but like number six, I believe five, it was. Uh, five. Yeah, five, sorry. Uh, but I suppose that could be relatable in the same way. You know, it's it gets... Sasha and Becky, you know, are two reliable competitors to get the ball rolling. Then you start bringing out the surprises, and yes. then that's when you brought Lita out. Uh, I wasn't expecting her to last the whole distance, but you needed something, you know, to sort of finish the entries on a nice note. And Trish was obviously the right person for the for the job. Yeah, Gary, do you agree with what Dave's saying there about all those returns at the Rumble? And what were your thoughts seeing Trish come out at number thirty? Yeah, I do. I mean, when you look through it, there's of the thirty women, there were ten of them that were returns: Lita, Molly, Holly, Michelle McCool, Vicky Guerrero, Kelly Kelly, Jacqueline, Beth Phoenix, Vicky, Bree, and Trish. Now, very few of these I would put into the washed up category. They are not. Um, they're not the honky tonk man. You know, <laughs> you know, who are pushing their. 50s and you know the active ring days are long gone you know these are still people that um you know are still in the prime of their life as well and uh, clearly and most of them in, in phenomenal shape as well um you know the only one you know vicky guerrero kelly kelly not the most talented technical wrestlers in the world, Ali. I don't like Vicky Guerrero has been called a technician, whatever. No, uh, despite her uh, her family connections there, but ha- have a place there. <laughs> Nikki, Bree, Trish, Beth, um, they could all, they could, you know, Trish came back again, had a great match with Charlotte, they still yeah. have plenty in the tank there, so I had no objection to many of these people here, and actually, for the first Women's Royal Rumble, it's not as if their appearance in this one denied somebody 
yeah. else a spot in it. Uh, the women's roster at the time wasn't the greatest. We still got plenty of people from NXT appearing in it. You know, Ember Moon, for example, appeared in this rumble. You know, if, you know, if we're talking 2021, and you're got you're taking a third of the spaces yeah. for folk. But like the men's rumble, you take two or three of those spaces for surprises. That's that's plenty. That's good here. So no objection to that. I thought Trish's appearance at the end of this rumble was was it was very fitting. Actually, I can't think of anything else to say on it. It was it was a really nice moment. And actually, um, you know, people use the word deserve quite a lot in wrestling a bit too yeah. freely. But I really do think that she deserved that spot. And I think all the ladies that we just mentioned deserve their spot, particularly people like Jacqueline who are actually really bloody good wrestlers yeah. uh, they just didn't get the chance to shine can you imagine somebody like Jacqueline today she would be great coming back I think even as like that because they're trying to play with this Mickey James role and I think Mickey's been hampered by injuries and lack of creative but I do think what the women's division has missed at times is that you know veteran wrestler and I think you do it with Natty to an extent um, but I do think the likes of Mickey, you know, even bringing Jacqueline back, even we've seen Ivory, you know, I love Ivory. Oh. I think Ivory is due to appear in the Legends edition of Raw as oh. well. So, mm. you know, she... but you're absolutely right. You do need. How do you get better? You work with people who are better than you. Yeah. And you need these people that know the ring, know the psychology, know how to put a match together to help some of these people. And that's why Natalia, for example, has had such a long career and yeah. possibly not had you know, the, the spotlight, the achievement she deserves because she helps the others mm. get up there. And there's the rumours as well. Um, Trish has been approached for an NXT coaching role. Uh, which I think would just be, you know, phenomenal and help build that brand there, the best women's division in the world, in my opinion. But Scott, mm-hmm. looking towards the future, obviously Women's Royal Rumble wasn't a one and done, it's become a regular part of the calendar. If you were to bring anyone back a surprise return at number thirty this year, do you have any pitches in mind for who would fill that slot? I think maybe Victoria, because I think there was rumours she was meant to be in the uh, twenty twenty mm-hmm. Rumble, like there was a picture mm-hmm. or somebody took like you could see like the time drum from their window and like Victoria's name was coming up but then she never appeared in the match I was waiting watching the women's rumble waiting for Victoria to come out and, mm-hmm. that, and if she wasn't already looking like she's appearing in Impact at the moment uh, Jazz I think would be cool if she ever come back and we saw her at the uh, Double or Nothing no, sorry the All Out Casino Battle or the women's one and like she's got this new look where she's uh, got the bald head now and yeah. she was really underrated like you talk about Trish and that like interestingly I get talked about a lot but like Wrestlemania 18 she beat both Trish and Leah in a triple threat for the women's sale. Not people, a lot of people talk about that because they had the unfortunate duty of Rock Hogan, which was yeah. an unfortunate spot for them to be in. Uh, it's hard for anybody. For uh, sure. But I, I do agree. I like this moment with Trish uh, coming back. Apart, apart me, Paul, not just because I was happy to see Trish back, is that part of me had a fear that Stephanie would enter herself into the Rumble. Yeah. Sitting there at ring seat. <laughs> and when number 30 came in, it wasn't her. I thought, yes, Stephanie's not in it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I wouldn't be against her being number 30 this year. I wouldn't be against it. No. But we will we will go across to Daniel. Do you have any others, uh, Victoria and Jazz, good shouts? Do you have any others that you would put in at number 30 for this year's Women's Rumble? Ooh. Uh, it's difficult, obviously, to try and judge obviously with everything still going on but if I was to bring someone back uh, I'd actually just play safe this year like we can keep the main roster that is I think get someone from NXT to be a big surprise oh, Stephanie McMahon for the rumble 
Okay, we'll, we'll say that. What about, um, what about uh, Melina? She is, uh, she, is rumored, she is rumored to come back for Raw Legends Night. I mean, who's to, say, who's to say? Who's to say? Who's to say she won't appear in the Rumble? And she's she's a decorated uh, former multi-time champion as well. Very true, Gary. There's a couple that I've, I was thinking of there. Uh, the first one, I'm not, I don't think she's been in a Rumble yet, but a former Divas champion, Maurice. Yes. Something I was wondering. Yeah, you're right. She's not been in a Rumble. Wow. There's another two I was thinking of. Uh, is Stacey Keebler, um just for the pop that would happen there. And uh, this one would probably be more of a, a reach. But AJ Lee. Imagine. Imagine. Imagine, imagine, mm. imagine. That would be so good, man. But then we would need cult of personality to play a little later in the night. <laughs> yeah, I think you need you can't, you can't have one without the other, you know? That'd be insane. Got that song in my head now, cult of personality. <laughs> but we did ask, it's not only the panellists who we asked their opinions on their favourite moments, we did go and we got opinions uh, on, the, on the Facebook community group. Uh, as Gary has been known to do recently, he was asking people direct questions in the comments and he tagged his brother Derek. He said, remember when Demolition were number one and two and Derek replied, that was awesome. And we see Demolition in action and a wee gift there. It was lovely. Uh, Jack Graham said his favourite Royal Rumble was when Santino emerged from the ashes. Oh, yes. At the end. <laughs> and the excitement fell in the air when we thought that he might actually win the whole thing. That was insane. Um, and then he also mentions uh, the McIntyre moment that Gary uh, brought up. That was a very popular one. Ryan Dugleish, uh, his name Titus World Slides, is yep. another we mentioned for that mm-hmm. great moment there. And also Daniel's pick of our truth thinking it's a ladder. Uh, Dave Holmes <laughs> mentioned when Scott brought up the hurricane in 2002. Um, he ma- mentions Maven. Remember him? Former Tough Enough winner? Yep. Oh, yes, Dave. That was fantastic. What a shocker. Great. Great moment. Uh, Edge's return, to which I'd say which one. Um, and he also mentioned another one that we're going to get into a bit later on, so I'll save mentioning that just now. Sean Smith shares a picture of the two cool dance that Gary brought up, mm. um, which is also very entertaining. Um, and he also um, names um, the 1992 Rumble as a whole before my time, uh, but still possibly the best ever Royal Rumble match. And I would I would say right Flair's promo is a great moment. Yeah, in my eye. It's fantastic. Another great thing about that rumble was Bobby Heenan and commentary. See when Ric Flair came out as number three, he yeah. was like beside himself because uh, <laughs> at that point nobody in the early stages ever went on. Yeah, uh, anything in the rumbles then kind of like numbers one to ten were kind of like your tag team wrestlers. They were there for filler or cannon fodder. Yeah. So the Ric Flair coming out early at that point was unheard of, and Heenan was fantastic. And we should do, I know we've done our best commentator show, but I guess commentary moment show would be great because that added to that rumble. And you look at moments like Biden with with Kofi's journey, you know, going there mm. with the New Day. Even Graves this week when Big E goes over to him after he wins the, the IC title. And he's talking to Graves. I just think when commentary's done right, it's, it's superb. But, mm. you know, we are going to get in. Everyone's got a wee second pick to give us here. And I think, first of all, I'm going to go to Mr. Daniel Campbell, um, because we're talking about the first ever women's rumbles there, but they weren't the first women to enter into a Royal Rumble match. Daniel, can you tell us about that? Well, 
obviously we were wanting women to be involved in the Royal Rumble in some capacity for some time so much so that this woman's music does says don't treat me like a woman don't treat me like a man don't treat me like you know me so we end up with the 1999 Royal Rumble we are at the height of the Corporation versus D-Generation X Austin is entering the Rumble McMahon is entering the Rumble I mean hell they're entering at number one and two so there's the story going into it but that wasn't the only story that was there in that rumble. We also had some interesting stories, such as the Ministry of Darkness abducting poor Mabel to take him into the ministry and later make him viscera. Gary just re- reaching out, just like, I have Mabel's name! <laughs> we'll keep it going, I don't care. Um, so we then end up with, on Raw, a little bit prior to this, McMahon decides to hold the Corporation versus DX Corporate Rumble. <laughs> It was, essentially, it was a 10-person mini-Royal Rumble match, the main event of Raw. The winner would take the number 30 spot. He was hoping this could potentially be his way out of entering at number 2. And it certainly looked that way. McMahon entered. Uh, McMahon managed to eliminate Triple H after Triple H had just taken out Kane. It looks like it's all over. DX's music plays and out walks the ninth wonder of the world, China. China dispatches of McMahon and gets her place in the Royal Rumble match. Let's get back to the Rumble, shall we? China comes out at number 30. And ins- and you could think, okay, she's just going to go and like beat up some of like the, the lighter guys. That'll be fine. Oh, no, 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 no. If China's in this Royal Rumble, she's going to make a bloody impact. She goes after the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. And actually eliminates Mark Henry. Let us remember that. She hits in the clotheslines, manages to get him over the top rope. Yeah, she got stunned by Austin immediately afterwards, but we'll, we'll just gloss over that for now. But China made history there because before that, we never had a woman... We had never had a woman anywhere near actually competing in a Royal Rumble match. Yeah. China will always have that spot as being the first one. The thing that just annoys me is that she was not around long enough to see where it is now because imagine we're going to hold the first women's rumble match potentially if she had still been alive I'd have had her come out at number 30 yeah I think so I think so and there's a lot of what ifs I don't want to actually keep the discussion going too long in this one considering we do have a China show spoiler for you uh, scheduled in the works for later this year but um, I will I will ask this question directly directly to Dave um what do you think about the f- the thing we've seen women enter into the men's rumble, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in this day and age? How do you feel about that? Do you think it's something that does work and should continue when and where, or do you not think there's really a place for it anymore? Um, well, it's kind of hard to say really because back then, you know, that was the only opportunity you could get women to go in the Royal Rumble. Like even in 2010, when you had Beth Phoenix into the Rumble and, you know, she also got a big elimination as well, eliminating Great Khali before being GTS by CM Punk and then thrown out. But so it's, they do get, they have had big marquee moments. And even in 2012, Karma makes a surprise return, eliminates, well, Michael Cole, which makes, doesn't sound so grand, but it's, it's still another woman entering a men's Royal Rumble, which is, Mm -hmm. uh, which it was, it was a big deal. But nowadays, now that the Women's Royal Rumble's become an annual thing alongside the, the male counterparts, it doesn't feel that special anymore because there's no reason for them to go in the Men's Royal Rumble. 20, 
2019 obviously being the exception where Nia Jax took R-Truth's number 30 spot, but largely because she felt unjust by in the women's Royal Rumble earlier in the night. We so did not speak obviously- of that moment. Kwaku would be very disappointed right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hated that moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Why did you hate it so much? Well, it may be because it's Nia Jax. I don't rate her particularly highly. <laughs> uh, so that might be part of it. And the other one might be that like, I love our truth, and I thought our truth coming in at number thirty was was great. Yeah. I I'm not a fan of intergender wrestling. I know there are people that are fond of it, and you know everybody's yeah. entitled to their opinion. It's not for my taste. I I love. Uh, you know, as you, you guys know in this show, I've been a huge advocate for the growth of the women's divisions uh, across all sorts of wrestlers. I want that to continue. I don't think there's a need for women to be entering into the Royal Rumble. And equally, I would agree that there's no need for men to be appearing in the women's Royal Rumble. And I, um, I there were a lot of people that were very unhappy about Santina Santino mm-hmm. appearing in the Women's Royal Rumble last year. Um, I know it was fairly inoffensive, but it wasn't supposed to be taken seriously. But I'm just not in favour of it. I, I'm not a fan of intergender wrestling. I think this moment with China we were talking about is um, is worthy. You know, 22 years later, we're still talking. Is it 21 years later? 22, whatever yeah. it is, uh, still worth talking about. She was in the ring for 35 seconds, and we still talk about it now. That was special. Um, I'm just not a fan of it. I hated the Nia Jax run-in for the reasons I said, and some of it could be just because I really dislike Nia Jax. Well, something you might like better, Gary, something you might enjoy a bit better than that is the moment that Scott McLeod is about to take us through, because sometimes the Royal Rumble comes down to a final two, and that final two can give us something that might be more memorable than everything that's come before it in the match itself. And Scott has one of those such occasions to talk about, so take it away, Scott. Well, um, I'll briefly comment on Daniel's one, because you never came to me for my thoughts on it. And that, like, I get you saying, like, the way she, like, beat McMahon in that corporate rumble. We need to talk about the way McMahon sold the fear on his face when China came in. He made her look like a big deal, like, oh, God, no, I forgot about her. And then, like, the fact that she eliminated Mark Game is a bit more significant, because, like, remember that time, 98, 99? It had a storyline where Mark Henry developing his sexual chocolate gimmick, tried to, uh, yeah. on China, tried to get her to go out with him. Uh, some elements of that storyline also don't age particularly well, but then you see the way he laughs at her after she's immediately eliminated by Austin after he eliminated him. He's walking away like Alan Partridge, like, needless to say, I had the last laugh. <laughs> so that we move on to the second moment, which is uh, the final two of the 2007 Royal Rumble between. John Michaels and The Undertaker and sometimes when it comes to the final two it's just a bit of a quick exchange and then somebody hits a finisher someone goes out but we've got like a mini match within the Rumble because Sean he was hit eliminated Edge and Art Brandy Orton overrated RKO they were just on the brink of about to be a break up and they're both just like laying on the floor both knacker Taker earned at number 30 and we'll find out Taker sits up and just after he sits up Michaels kips up and a lot of people have pointed to this one as like almost the precursor to their two epic WrestleMania matches at Mania 25 and 26. They have all this Mania match, and, like, Sean's won the Rumble before, Taker had never won the Rumble before, but these are, like, two favourites at this time. Either of these guys could have won it, and it looks like Sean's got it, then Taker just managed to just lift him up, count the super kick, and throws Michaels out, and Taker significantly becomes the first man to enter at number 30. This is in 2007. Like, yeah. nearly 20 years of the Rumble, and no man's won from the number 30. And it's just such a moment, and like 
the fact that this this word ten minutes or so, but you keep going back and forth when you're watching it, you don't know where it's gonna go. So you you know what going back, but you're still captivated by this this one because like these two couldn't put a bad match on against each other if they tried. Oh, we could get a bad tag match if you're in Saudi Arabia, but we're not talking about that. <laughs> That's an our story for an hour day, and I think what we're going to do just continue with this final two. I'm going to go with my next pick as well um, because. Like you talked about, Final Two can sometimes put on a mini-match, but sometimes it needs to be restarted, and that was the case in 2005 uh, between Batista and John Cena. It was clear they were meant to do a spot, uh, wherein it was meant to be Cena's feet that hit the floor first. However, that ended up not being very clear, and uh, there was panic backstage, and Vince McMahon ends up running down to the ring to try and <laughs> fix the situation and both his quads blow out so here we see the funny uh, sight of Vince McMahon sitting like a teddy bear in the middle of the wrestling ring absolutely unable to move and his edge if you've not heard Edge tell the story uh, in Inside the Ropes go to Edge to, uh, and listen to him tell it I was there for that because <laughs> he says that everyone in the back was just absolutely killing themselves when this happened <laughs> and I think they weren't the only ones I was also killing myself uh, when I watched this back each each and every single time uh, that it's happened so two very good moments but um, Gary what do you think of both of those final twos that Scott and I have brought up and there are any others that come to your mind and flash in your memory? Yeah, I think Scott's right that more often than not, the final segment is relatively short and often uh, it's rather unspectacular. If you think of the the closing of the women's, the first women's rumble with Asuka and uh, one of the Bellas, can't remember which one. Thank you. Thank you. Outside the ring where they seem to like kick, ask if wins by kicking her legs away from her. I mean, it's not the most iconic moment, is it? It's a wee bit all untidy looking. Yeah. Um, so often this bit's a wee bit underwhelming, except for the year that Scott mentioned. I don't think that's been equal to her yet um, in, that, in that way. But yeah, I mean, the, there was the time before WWE tried that sort of... Uh, going out together finish you had a far superior worker in Bret the Hitman Hart controlling it I'm not sure that Batista and John Cena's technical prowess in the ring <laughs> coming near Bret Hart so I'm not sure in hindsight that was the greatest booking in the world it was bloody hilarious mind you and uh, they managed it you know, well with the fly with the referees doing it but Vince coming out just that whole bit he was clearly angry throws his jacket down runs to the ring oh Mm-hmm. Uh, it was. I mean, the man must have been in absolute agony as well during it. But oh, oh my goodness, it's so funny. And uh, Dave, I'll come. I'll come to you. Obviously, I think what mine and Scott share is that it was two big stars in the company mm-hmm. who, up until that point, hadn't crossed paths. Uh, you know, a lot. Um, Shawn Michaels hadn't really crossed with The Undertaker since he returned uh, to WWE and had his second run um, and this was really Cena and Batista both at the precipice of, of success mm-hmm. um, are there any two stars that you feel in this upcoming Rumble could benefit from such a spot? Ooh, see that's a, that's a difficult one to say because you could have some interaction with the New Day, being that they're on separate brands, given that Big E's been tipped, you know, to be a favourite yeah. to win the Rumble. You could have, uh, you could maybe have Keith Lee interact with somebody 
uh, unsuspectingly. You know, maybe if somebody from Retribution comes in, say, you know, Big T Bar, who you know is Dominic Dijakovic. You know, you know, those two are great friends in real life, and they absolutely tore it up in NXT with some of their matches and stuff. Maybe if we saw a clash between those two, you you know, those that are those that are coy about the the relationship with those two outside the ring, that might actually you know maybe catch some people's attention. But aside from that. There's nothing that really sort of stands out for this upcoming rumble in particular. Daniel, what about the women's side of it? Is there any two women that can benefit from that treatment of having a final two to, to tickle our fancy, you know, for a potential future match? Well, I, I don't even know. I mean, if we are wanting to go back and revisit a certain rivalry, which I did hear at one point they were considering it for WrestleMania, then I would put Bailey in the final two, but maybe just to spice up a wee bit to give some uh, familiar territory to you know the feeling of the final two of the Rumble, since this woman already had a final two spot with another one of the four horse women. What about Charlotte and Bailey? Ooh, that would be exciting. Like have that sh- would be exciting. Like have Charlotte, you know, at, like outperform Bailey, like show that she can still run rings around Bailey on like the best day and then all it takes was one wee moment one split second just to go woo and Bailey gets her out <laughs> yes yes that would be insane I would love the men's rumble to see a, maybe a, a 10 minute clash in the final two between Biggie and Keith Lee because yes. we've talked about how Excellent. both of them are maybe on not on that level yet we're questioning whether it's their time big run in the rumble you know big moment in that final two that could be the bump that could be the boost I just both men need I just saw another one potentially there it's one that you know people will probably be like oh my god I can't believe this is happening but imagine if it was Big E and Kofi imagine that the two like they look across each other they know well we love each other but one of us is going to Wrestlemania may the best man Mm. win and they put on a barn burner that would be something special Kofi needs to be in the final two at some point, I think. Yes. Like, he's been WWE champion, and I think so now he's a talent of someone who could win a Rumble. Mm. Being the top guy. And like a lot of people said, like, how has Kofi not won a Rumble with all these spectacular like eliminations, like uh, escape of eliminations? So have him come down to the final two and then have Big E stop when Kofi goes to like save himself so spectacularly, but then Big E knocks him off the apron or whatever it is, knocks him off the apron, like, not this time, off you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. if I could, can I just, can I just oh. throw a, a really left field pick out there? Like, okay. what if we had an interaction between Sheamus and Cesaro, two members That'd of the nice. bar? That would be I, mean, I know maybe not the final two, but you know, sort of somewhere in the middle where you have somewhere. two two people stand off around a, a sea of bodies. Like I think a, an interaction between those two would be quite quite good. Gary, I think what's worked with some of the examples that the Shawn Michaels Undertaker example there is um, there was a story and there was a history there, but they were separated without the brand split. Whereas recently, there's you know there's very few people that are on one brand. Yeah. Time. So Daniel Bryan's one that springs to mind. He's he's only really been on SmackDown, hasn't he, since he returned? Yeah. And if you think about Daniel Bryan, who he has history with, he has history with the Miz. So Bryan and the Miz could do that. Now I don't mean to put that anywhere near in the same league as Undertaker, yeah. but just in terms of there's a story, there's a history. They've been separated. 
you know, they could be a wee bit of fun with, with that type of thing, but that's the type of thing, and that's where the women's division comes in, a wee yeah. bit more difficult to think of something that's going to be fresh, um, and that we're not seen for a period of time because, you know, they've... Yeah. So there's not a, a very deep roster at the moment and there's a bit of intermingling but the Bailey Charlotte one would be good and certainly would give Bailey some more uh, legitimacy uh, if she was to go on to mm. um, face Sasha at Wrestlemania for sure those were the these moments uh, I, I just popped them out there I think the last time Taker and Michael actually faced off was the casket match where Sean injured his back which was in 1998 at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, so there you go, 2007 mm. Royal Rumble, almost first time in almost 10 years, these two are facing off now, and then Cena Batista both came up yeah. to the company at the same time, separated by the brand split, hadn't really had much interaction, and then they have this like moment that we're all still talking about, they think, much like Roman and Drew, like you didn't think at the 2012 Rumble, either of them could have won, they're both planned on being in the main event spots, these two, even though the spot went, like, landed perfectly and it was an accident, and then they went back and did it again the way they were yeah. meant to. But these were the two guys they had their eyes on for WrestleMania. And it just happened so perfectly that moment we'd seen that you'd have sworn that it was planned. And then you mm. see just how angry Vince is, you feel like, no, it wasn't like. And I know the story you're talking about Edge, he was eliminated just before that moment happened. So he's walking up the ramp as Vince is coming, so he's just caught the, the anger in Vince's eyes and he's coming down the ramp. Yeah. Scott, was it the following year after Sean and, and Undertaker closed the Rumble? Was it the following year that they opened it at 1 and 2? Yeah, they were in uh, mm. MSG. Uh, Taker was at number 1, and then uh, Sean Michaels was it, and then everybody put in the comedy. were going, oh, these were the last two last year. And I believe they then took turns eliminating the first few people that came out, one of which being Big Daddy V. <laughs> so you got two viscera mentions in the one show. <laughs> <laughs> And none from me. <laughs> Gary's abstained. Um, but we do have, we've been very excited to talk today, but we do have two last moments to talk about. So I'm just going to let the people who own those moments describe them to us to close out the show. Firstly, I'm going to come to Gary because you're taking us back about about 10 years for two returns that you particularly enjoyed. Yeah, I mentioned earlier on, I always quite enjoy the Legends returns to the Royal Rumble and they sometimes give us some nice spots over over the years. Um, I mentioned a couple of them earlier on. I mean, particular favourites of mine were uh, Jimmy Snooker and Roddy Piper in 2008 when they had that showdown in that Madison Square Garden. Both men well past their prime. Well past their prime. Well, the prime was a dot to them at this point. Aye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Bubba Ray Dudley in 2015, that was a great one. Mm-hmm. The Hurricane in 2018. Um, and there were two, as you t- mentioned, in 2011. And 2011 is not well regarded as a, a, in terms of a rumble it was the first uh, and only 40 man Royal Rumble but despite it not being well regarded there are a couple of nice moments in it I think the Santino almost winning it happened at this rumble mm-hmm. as well isn't it yeah. so the up until this, uh, the point I'm going to talk about we're just waiting for the buzzer for number 21 to go and the new Nexus do you remember that group uh, Curtis Axel, Mason Ryan, David Otunga and CM Punk were standing tall in the ring. Uh, number 21, um, buzzer goes for that. And Booker T returns to the WWE. His music hits, the crowd pop 
big style and so do the commentators Michael Cole is very enthusiastic but Matt Stryker is the star of this he was like a kid in the sweetie shop when this went on um, Booker T uh, unfortunately didn't last particularly long in this rumble he was eliminated uh, before number 22 came out but in terms of a moment it had everything you know he got some of these big moves and he hit a scissors kick and Mason Ryan and the crowd went mental he hit Curtis Axel with a bookend the crowd went wild and he hit a spinner Rooney at one point and the crowd went really wild at that point um, unfortunately he was eliminated just after that um, with Mason Ryan But so a short moment there for Booker T but a really hot uh, hot reaction for him and in that rumble there was another legend that returned and it was at number 32 and at this point the ring was a bit fuller we had Cena Wade Barrett Kofi Kingston Sheamus Dolph Ziggler and Rey Mysterio most of most of these people will be in this year's Royal Rumble <laughs> um, oh I hope Barrett's in it Oh, <laughs> oh yes, we had that in the rumble, excellent. But what was great about this one at number 32, uh, Diesel's music hit, and up until that point, we hadn't seen Diesel in the WWF since 1996, 1997. When he came back previously, it was his Kevin Nash, but he came back as the Diesel character. The music hit, and people instantaneously knew who it was, and the reaction was was phenomenal. And I mentioned Bubba Ray Dudley's return uh, in 2015. I, I mean... It may just be me, but when the music hit, the, well, the fireworks and the music hit, it took me a moment to realise who it yeah. was. Yeah. And then I got very excited, whereas with Diesel's music hit, everybody seemed to know straight away who it was. Right I, had the same, I had the same thing with Ed, though, if it was slightly surprised of it or not. But I think that's one of the reasons that the Diesel one stands out for me is, you know, it just instantaneously people knew the music hit and folk went crazy and the pops were incredible. For it. So those were 2011, not regarded well as a Royal Rumble, but it did have a couple of good moments in it. Two really good returns, but we did also have a debut that David Hockney is going to talk about. Yeah, WWE finally got phenomenal. Tell us about that. Oh, I would argue that this is probably the biggest shock surprise, and not to mention one of the best debuts that WWE has had in its history. Like AJ Styles arrives on the scene at the 2016 Royal Rumble as the number three. Now, Roman Reigns and Rusev had just started off the Rumble and poor Rusev, you know, he gets buried in, you know, about less than less than the minute 30. He goes out before number three comes out. So Roman's, you know, he sort of got the ball rolling with, you know, being stuck at number one. But then he's just, number three's music starts playing and you think, wait a minute, whose music is this? And I was literally just, I was watching this and I was racking my brain trying to think, wait, I don't know whose music this is. Like, what's going on here? And then you just see Roman just staring at the screen, looking all very debused. And I know I was the same. And But the, the problem was the camera just sticks on Roman, so you can't see what's going on. And the live show, it just shows the camera in that stuff. <laughs> yeah, the camera's in that position. Then you, hear the fa- then you hear the fans pop. You think, oh God, what's going on? What's going on? And then it finally cuts up to the ramp. And you see this hooded guy with his arms out and you think the entire wrestling universe from WWE to TNA to New Japan collectively loses their shit like it's AJ Styles the phenomenal 
AJ Styles is now in WWE and he's in the Royal Rumble match. Like, probably the biggest shock reaction I think I've seen in a Royal Rumble. Never mind at number 30 or anywhere else in between. This is someone who actually got given time to take his slow walk to the ring, slowly get in the ring, and then begin to engage with Roman Reigns. So it wasn't just a quick run down. You think, oh, blinking, you'll miss him. He's right there. This is someone you had to just, just take a minute, soak in the moment, and just let this man's presence you know, ignite a crowd. Like, that is what made AJ's debut so damn special. And in the edited version, it actually shows the Titantron, and this is what made the crowd pop. It goes, I am. You think, okay. And when the word phenomenal comes up, that's when everybody goes crazy. Yeah, and it's it's really great. And I think the Rumble is the right place for an amazing return. Uh, it could be the right place uh, for a very effective debut, at, if done right, like Styles was. Like you said, not one and done. He's still entertaining us to this very day. But what did you guys think? Uh, tell us in your thoughts. Who would you like to see in this upcoming Royal Rumble debut? in that match who would you like to see return talk to us the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet community page and Facebook tag us on Twitter Instagram you know do old TikTok do everything whatever the kids are up to these days Reddit you know you can Bebo. do, you know, do Bebo Bebo get us a wee Bebo alright MySpace alright we'll have a great time over on the social media sites this has been fun I'd like to thank my panel um, starting with Gary thank you very much Thank you. Can you believe we got through the show and I managed to resist talking about Mabel in 1999 and the elimination spree he went on before his <laughs> Royal Rumble surefire victory was ruined by The Undertaker? I mean, you almost got through it without talking almost about it. Almost. <laughs> Daniel, thank you very much for coming on today. I thank our truth. Thank you very much. <laughs> Mr. Scott McLeod, always a pleasure and a bit of joy. Been a lot of fun. It has been fun. And Mr. David Hockney, we all know um, that you're going to put that red hat back on right after this. Don't, don't you fool us. Bear, but I do have a red hat, but it's a Washington Nationals baseball cap. Uh, you can, you uh, can do whatever you want. I know where Washington is. I know who sits there. Uh, join us next time on the feature show. Check us out in Central, and I'll see you guys later on. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.